Everyone except for Billy is a member of this church family. <laughs> we long to be loved. We long for it. If I were to ask you to name songs about love, how many of you think you could rattle off a dozen in a minute? We long to be loved. But every time we turn to someone or something to fill that void, what becomes very clear to us is that the void is unfillable. You've felt it, haven't you? The hungering dark, the call of the abyss, the great desire to be wanted and valued. And it finds various forms in our lives. That vacation that you were really looking forward to, to that place that you thought would satisfy you, those last three days of the vacation, do you remember what you felt? That stirring within you once more, I've got to have more. Or that thing that you were hoping to obtain minutes after you get it. The longing stirs. And Christmas sharpens this feeling, does it not? You watch children as they ravenously open the presents. And what you know that they don't yet know is that they're going to throw that thing away in 10 to 15 minutes. That thing they've been longing for, they've been writing notes about, they want it, I can't wait to have it. That's going to be in the back of your truck on the way to Goodwill in the next year. <laughs> but for some of us, it's more acute especially at this season, because there'll be empty seats at the dinner table of people that we felt loved by. And now that they are gone, you know what begins to rear its ugly head again? That hunger, that longing to be loved. Christmas is a story of love. Today we're going to conclude our four-week Advent series with the theme of love. And by the way, I did want to invite you tomorrow night, Christmas Eve, I know, spoiler alert, Christmas is in a couple days, so if you haven't visited Walmart yet, don't even bother. Just write a note to those kids and be like, it was going to end up in the truck anyways on the way to Goodwill. You know, Merry Christmas, here's a sandwich. Christmas Eve, we're going to have services 3, 4.30, 6 o'clock. We'd love to have you join us here. Uh, we're going to have some stuff outside for the kiddos uh, and for adults. We've got some cocoa and cookies. We've got some bounce houses, rock walls, things like that. I, I heard there might be some snowfall uh, that may end up here as well. Also wanted to let you know that next Sunday, uh, the th I think is, is next Sunday the 30th, y'all? Somebody help me out. Yeah, next Sunday the 30th, uh, we're going to be having uh, a day of prayer. So from 8 a.m. until 1 p.m., this is our third year doing this, we are ending the year. So we're not having a usual service here at Desert Springs. We're going to have uh, open prayer from 8 to 1. Uh, some of our leaders will be here. There'll be different stations set up in this room, so just show up. Uh, it could just be you. It could be you and your family, whatever configuration you want, uh, 8 to 1. 
For us as a church family, this is a way to not only conclude the year, it's also a way to pray ourselves into 2019. Um, and so I, I would encourage you, uh, if maybe if you've never been to a service like that or an opportunity like that, make this year the year uh, that you join us next Sunday, 8 to 1, come anytime that you want. Uh, some people will spend hours in here, others it's about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, there'll be different stations again for self-guided prayer. I strongly encourage you as we conclude this year uh, to spend the time in reflective prayer and then also in hope-filled prayer for what God has for you and for us as a church family in 2019. But one of the reasons that we do that is, we because, is because we believe that God loves us. And so when we pray, we pray to a God who's not uh, ignorant of our needs, but a God who loves us, who desires us, who values us. And one of the ways that we know that to be true is through the Christmas story. I'm going to focus today on a text that doesn't oftentimes get read at Christmas. Uh, you heard it a moment ago. I'm going to read it to you. We'll put it up here on the screen. John 3, 16. This is, this is perhaps the most infamous verse uh, in all of Scripture, and for good reason. Some, some commentators believe that this is the central theme of the entire cosmos. I, I think I would probably agree. This is John 3, 16. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Have you heard this before? Okay, listen again for the first time. For God loved the world. In this way, he gave his one and only son so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Have you heard this before? Listen again for the first time. For God loved you. In this way, he gave you his one and only son so that anyone, including you, who believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. I'm gonna ask you this question, you don't have to answer. Has your heart heard that? You see, in our minds, we, we are familiar, I think, as a culture with John 3.16. They, they hold the signs up at football games, right? But this central theme of the cosmos, it's not just for our minds. It's for our hearts. Because our hearts long to be loved. There is within each one of us an insatiable longing 
to be valued, to be wanted, to be desired, to be loved. Does your heart know that God has so loved the world in this way, that he gave his only one, one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. For our remaining time together today, I would like for us to meditate on these words. Whether you're a Christian or not, this is the central theme of the cosmos, love. The world was born in love. Do you know that? You see, there is this counter-narrative, there is this other story that's being told that, that the world was born by happenstance or chance, and I totally understand where folks are coming from, that, that randomly some molecules smashed together and now here you are. There is a story of the cosmos that goes like this, you are just a sack of chemicals, nothing more. But the central theme of the cosmos is that you and I are loved, and this world that God loves was created, not by accident, but was created in love. Uh, if you've, uh, maybe some of you are familiar with this concept of the Trinity. Uh, so things are named Trinity. There's like Trinity Church, there's Trinity Hospital. That's kind of a weird word. It's not a common word that many of us use, but the Trinity is a uh, theological term. It's an educational word that gets to this idea that the way that God has revealed his self to us is one God in three persons. I know that that is a paradox. That's why we sing. And real quick, TV timeout. If everything about your God makes absolute comprehensive sense to you, you're worshiping a God that you've created. If there's no mystery in your God, you're worshiping, you're worshiping a made-up God. Uh, one theologian says it like this, all faith terminates in mystery. However God chooses to reveal himself to us, it always terminates in the clouds. Our minds reach a point to where we stop computing and we start singing. Now, both are valuable, computing or thinking and singing. But there's a reason we sing, because there's a ton of stuff that we're like, I don't know, this is just majesty. And the triune nature of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you've ever seen a baptism, maybe you've seen it done on TV, they'll use the Latin almost always because it's cool. It's cool. In nomine Patri, Fili, Spiriti Sancti. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. One God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. One God in three persons. Not one God in three forms, not three gods that like combine each together like Power Rangers and make one big God. One God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now that's nosebleed section theology and I totally get where we're all coming from right now saying that does not make sense. And I agree with you. And I don't have anything else to say, except for this. The triune God, that truth, means that at the center of the cosmos, there has eternally been, before, before matter was called into creation, it means that there has been love eternal. For love requires an object, does it not? 
There needs to be someone or something to be loved. And in the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you have eternally existing, before the cosmos were called into being, you have eternally existing a communal love where the Son is constantly in love with and deferring to and elevating the Spirit and the Father. And the Father is loving the Son and the Spirit, and the Spirit is loving the Son and the Father. God did not make you, God did not call this world into being because he needed somebody to love. This world was made out of a spilling out of love, out of an overflow of love. This world is made in love. I had a, a professor who would do things uh, like this. He would observe something in nature, maybe ants or something. And he would say, God, thank you for the gift of the ant. And in this Christmas season, I wonder if you observe the world around you and think that this is a good gift from your God, from your God to you, whom he loves. From what we can tell, there are over 350,000 um, galaxies, and that's a conservative estimate. Have you ever thought that that is God's good gift to you for you to explore? You know, as, a, as, a, as, as uh, innate within us, we're curious. Have you ever thought that God created this expansive cosmos for you to delight in? More than that, have you ever considered that God delights to delight when you delight? How many of you have ever given a gift to a kid and you receive joy when you watch them having joy exploring the gift? You guys with me on that? How many of you have ever thought that as you delight in God's good world, he delights in your delight? The heavens declare the glory of God, the scripture says. It's meant to be delighted in because he loves this world and he loves you. The world was born in love and you were born in love. There's this really fascinating thing that we do as a people. Uh, and I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna try to keep it PG, fam, okay? I know it's the holidays. Yeah, here we go. Have you ever noticed that when children are conceived, generally speaking, we call that act making? I can't believe you said that at church. <laughs> we call it lovemaking, right? Isn't that interesting? That children are the product, generally speaking, as a culture, the way that we nuance it, I know this doesn't happen much of the time, but the way that we nuance it in all best circumstances, it is, a, uh, it is two people who are utterly and totally committed to each other and in love, in that love act, out comes the product of their love, a child. Have you ever considered that you were born in love? Now many of you are saying, you don't know my parents. No, I don't, I, I don't mean that. I mean, there are many of you who are like, my family's a mess. Right. I didn't know my dad. I didn't know my mom. It, I, I was the product of something that was unlovely, uh, unlovely and unloving. I get it. But the story of Christmas is this, that before the foundations of the earth were laid, 
before the universe was called into existence, God, your Father, knew you. And though your parents may have been a mess and may not have loved one another, your Father has loved you. Before the foundations of the earth, you have been known and loved, and you were born in love. Listen to me. If that is the central story of the cosmos, then there is no such thing as throwaway people. There is no such thing as human trash. There is no one who is to be considered less than human. You were born in love. From the very foundations of the earth, your creator knew you, knew the moment that you would enter into this world, and he has loved you. You were born in love. Now, there are many of us who recognize or believe that the world is simply a product of random chance. And if you're here today and that's where you're coming from, I wanna lean into that just for a minute. If it's true that you and I are nothing more than the product of random chance, if it's true that you and I are nothing more than random sacks of chemicals, I would like to ask you to consider this question. How do you feel when you are treated as a sack of chemicals? How do you feel when people that you care for are treated like a sack of chemicals and nothing more? Is it tenable for you? Is, is it legitimate for you to live your life believing that everyone else around you and yourself included are nothing more than the products of random chance and then getting angry when people are taken advantage of? You see, if, let me ask you this. If we're nothing more than the product of random chance, why are we upset when the marginalized are taken advantage of? If we're nothing more than sacks of chemicals, what's wrong with me taking advantage of those that are weaker than me? No, you see what, me, what, what, what makes our righteous anger righteous when the marginalized are taken advantage of is the foundational truth that the world was created in love and every person, every person is made in the image and likeness of God out of love. There's no such thing as throwaway people. And here's the, here's the hard news, friends. That includes the people you hate. I would ask for you right now to consider this question. Who do I hate? Is it a person? Is it a people group? Oh, you say, I'm a nice person. Yeah. Let's talk when you're in traffic, fam. <laughs> I want you to think of the most vile people group that you can consider. And I want you to think of this truth, that the central story of the cosmos is that God loves that person. That they were born in love into a world that he so loves. Now, here's the really hard part. What might it transform in your life if you were to view even the people that you despise as a person loved infinitely by God? Would that change your life at all? 
The world was made in love. You and I were born in love. And Jesus was born in love. One of the questions that we have is, if we were made in love, then why, are, why is everything so messed up? Not only out there, but also, if we're honest, why does it feel so broken in here? You see, we were made in love into a world that was created in love, but we rebelled against God. Every one of us has gone our own way. We've turned from our creator, and we've said, I'm the center of the universe, not you. And God has basically two options. Wipe the slate clean and destroy everyone who's done evil ever, which, by the way, is you and me. Or, in grace and mercy, make a way for him to be just and also to justify the doers of evil. Enter Christmas. Jesus was born in love. For God so loved the world in this way. Christmas. You see those little nativity sets, don't you? The next time you see a nativity set, I want to encourage you to think, for God so loved. Why did this happen? Why, why did this story happen? Because God loves you. Jesus was born in love. He gave his one and only son, it says in the text. This is interesting language. It seems to be elevating the unique nature of Jesus, that Jesus was born in love. But Jesus is, remember what we said about the Trinity? You guys remember that? got to take our ginkgo biloba. Okay, we talked about it 10 minutes ago. Trinity, one God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, wickety, wickety nickname for God the Son is Jesus. So do you guys remember the Trinity thing we talked about a minute ago? Yeah. Okay. So God the Son was born. Oh, Pin drops. Okay. God, who exists outside of the space-time continuum, who literally, by his word, called the universe into existence, was born. Gasp. Good. Now you're starting to get it. That little nativity set is speaking to the most powerful truth of the cosmos, that God's love is not passive, but active in giving. God took on flesh and became one of us. Jesus was born in love. Now many of us say, okay, if God loves me, why is it that he allows for me to suffer? If God loves me, why does he allow me to suffer? I don't know. but I know this, it can't be meaningless. I know that my suffering can't be meaningless. How do I know? Christmas tells me so. Because God took on flesh. God became one of us. Even if you just observe the nativity scenes that many of us have in our house, I would ask you this question, you know the answer. Was he born into a palace? Was he born into comfort? Was he born into power? How was he born? 
in a manger. He was an outcast, born to a family of outcasts and outsiders. Meek, mild, they say. And he was born in love. And he suffered in love. Dorothy Sayers, she's one of my favorite authors. She wrote this in the early 1900s. For whatever reason that God chose to make people as we are, limited, suffering, subject to sorrow and death, he had the honesty and courage to take his own medicine. I want you to think for a minute. For those of us, especially now in this season, who are experiencing pain and suffering, I don't know why you're experiencing pain and suffering, but I want you to consider this, that the God of the universe took on flesh and has also experienced pain and suffering. And so when we pray, we pray to one who knows not cognitively what suffering is, but one who knows experientially what it is to suffer. Whatever reason God made people as we are, limited, suffering, subject to sorrow and death. For whatever reason, we do know this. He has taken his own medicine. He is not distant, nor is he far from you. He is present in the midst of our suffering. For we were born in love, and Jesus was born in love. And Jesus died in love. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Did you hear the gave part? God's love for you is an active love. It's a love that acts. It's a love that gives. For God loved the world in this way that he gave. Jesus on the cross cries out, Father, forgive them. The scripture says that Jesus, recognizing the joy that the cross would accomplish because of his love for you, he endured the cross for you. I asked you moments ago, and I'll ask it again, has your heart heard these words? For God so loves you, in this way, he gave you his uniquely born, one and only, only begotten son, that whoever, including you, believes in him will not perish, but will have life eternal, the type of life he has meant for us to live. Has your heart heard that? The world was born in love. You were born in love. Christ was born in love. Christ died for love. And I know it's Christmas, but if you'll permit me to fast forward, in a few months, we're gonna celebrate Easter, which is the conclusion. It's also the beginning. For Jesus Christ did not only die in love, he rose from the grave, conquering over Satan, sin, and death. And I'm here to tell you today that a dead Jewish carpenter's love means nothing to me, and it means nothing to you. Who cares if some dead Jewish carpenter loved me? But Jesus Christ is not dead. That's right. I had a, uh, just a huge blessing. I was able to go, uh, brought on a trip uh, to Israel a few weeks ago. And the places were cool. Historically and just from my own uh, teaching, it was really cool. And, 
And I, and I must admit, every time we would go to some of these locations, there'd be a tomb or there'd be a place and there'd be you know, Bethlehem and all that kind of stuff. Uh, at, at no point in time did I feel closer to God. At, at no place did I feel close to God. And one thing it was a great reminder of is you don't need to spend thousands of dollars to go on pilgrimage to a place to meet God. He's right here with you now, friends. But one of the most meaningful moments was this Scottish woman. I'd put her in her 70s. And, and she would donate about 10, eight to 10 weeks a year, she said, at this site. It's the site of the garden tomb. And it's one of the possible tomb sites that, that, that might have been Jesus' tomb. And it's adjacent to a possible uh, place where, it's called Golgotha, a place where maybe Jesus was crucified. And every time she opened her mouth, my wife, Lori, and I would just start, like, ugly crying. You guys know what I'm talking about? Not a little misty. It was literally, like, grabbing each other, like, ah, snot, the deal. <laughs> Which is a mess when you have a mustache, right? You're like, <laughs> and the reason that every time she, the reason that we were so just wrapped up in her was she exuded this love for Jesus. And one of the things she said, I'll never forget, in her very thick Scottish accent, and I, and I won't disrespect the Scots by trying to do it, but she said this, yes, it's a possible tomb site, but it doesn't matter, because he's not here. It's just an empty tomb, and I love him so much, and he loves you so much, and I can't wait for him to come back. For God so loved the world, you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have life everlasting. Has your heart heard that? Let this Christmas be a time of reflection and joy, recognizing that the deepest longings of our heart is to be loved, is to be valued, and though we can find glimpses of it in the love that we share with one another, we are made to be loved by God. And the good news is this, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you think is your deep and darkest secrets, God knows and he loves you. He's loved you since the foundations of the earth. He loved you before you were formed. He loves you now and he calls you, turn to me. Will you follow him? Will you turn from the things that are fleeting, the desires of your own heart that will not satisfy, will you turn to him today? Let this Christmas be the day that you say yes to Jesus. Oh, I, I don't want to give you any false hopes. Your suffering will not disappear. Your questions will only multiply. Your frustrations will only become sharper. Your experience of evil in the world will only become more pronounced. But your heart will find its satisfaction in the one who loves you since the foundations of the earth, who has given you himself and calls you, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, for I will bring you rest. Would you find peace and love in your creator this day, recognizing that it is only a gift purely by his grace. Friends, do you know that Jesus loves you so much? Would you turn to him? 
For those of us who have turned to Jesus, who do recognize that, I wanna leave you with this challenge. I want you to consider your family. In fact, I'm gonna ask you to do some, we're not gonna do anything weird, but I'll just ask that you would close your eyes for a minute. And, 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 and hopefully that would help you as you meditate on these things. And I'm just gonna ask that you would allow for your mind to bring these images um, before you, before, before the eyes of your mind. I want you to think about your family. No, no, I don't mean the ones you like. I want you to imagine the ones that you've got pain, you've got issue, that you've found deep frustration with. I want you to think about those that you work with, not the ones you like, the ones that you would like to see their downfall, the ones that you would like to undercut, the ones that you would like to see embarrassed or belittled. I want you to think about your enemies. I want you to think about your personal enemies. I want you to think about the people you have been arguing with in your mind, but not yet in person. I want you to think about the people groups that you consider to be detestable, the people groups that you are tempted to think of as subhuman, animals, Monsters, trash. And then I want you to open your heart to these words. For God loved the world. In this way, he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In light of this truth, right now, in this moment, would you pray, Lord, grant me the eyes to see people as you see them, and give me the strength to live accordingly. Grant me eyes to see people as you see them, and give me the strength to live accordingly. God, we pray that your spirit would move inside of each of our hearts and within this church family that we might be a people who live in love, finding within our hearts a satisfaction in your love towards us and a conviction that you have called us to love others, especially those that we consider to be unlovable. You have created this world in love. You have created us in love. Jesus, you were born in love and you died in love and you rose from the grave, conquering over Satan, sin, and death. And it is because of this that we celebrate Christmas in hope, in joy, in peace, and in love. Jesus, we, praying this, we pray this knowing that you love us and trusting ourselves completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen.